Mary Beth, craft wine on the Isle of Man is not something I think that people thought would happen. How did all this come about? Um, so we moved here about six years ago and the winters are long. So we quickly realized that we have to develop a hobby. So we were living up in Serbia and we would make beer and cider and then someone suggested we should try making some rhubarb wine and we, we were quite incredulous about it. But uh, yeah, we, we gave it a shot. Yeah, we had it and we're like, wow, this is actually pretty good. So from there, we just sort of kept building on that and kept experimenting with it. And anytime we'd have it, we'd put it in kegs and serve it sparkling. We'd have a party and we'd be out of it. Everyone's like, oh, can we buy it from you? That's when the idea came into our head, maybe we can make this a thing. And that's sort of where it all came out of, was our garden shed. So <laughs> were you both sort of foodie types to start with? or um, My husband, Ian, is an incredible cook. But yeah, we, we do like our wine and we like our, we like our food and trying new things and going out to different places. So yeah, that was probably, it probably helped a lot. So, but that's still a big stretch from just having parties at your home with some rhubarb wine to having the rhubarb fizz available here in this wonderful location. First of all, just describe to us where we are. Uh, well, we're at the old coal shed, which is part of the breakwater in Port Aaron. So you have views straight across the headland to Milner Tower and Bradahead. We set out just to make wine, and the whole idea was uh, we just wanted a wine tasting room for people to come and try our wine, but when we went through the planning and the licensing for that, you have to get a full-blown license. So we're like, all right, we'll just open, <laughs> open a bar and sell other people's things too. So for us, it, it's worked out well because people are able to come down here, kind of ask us and see what we're doing while we're still developing our products and, and whatnot. So it's, it's kind of helping teasing out getting people excited about what we have next and coming up on, in stock. Okay, so what have the products now expanded to? What do you have available? So at the moment, um, on tap, we have sparkling rhubarb wine and sparkling honey wine or mead. We should be having sparkling um, elderflower wine on tap as well. And this autumn, we're going to have all those products in bottles using the tr traditional champagne method, which is a a more involved method of um, having the secondary fermentation within the bottle rather than force carbonated, which is what our keg products are. So the space itself is fantastic, and you've got these sort of like big old stone walls. Do you know the sort of history of the place? It was, it was actually a coal shed. There was a train that they used to make the breakwater that failed out in Port Aaron Bay, and the, so this was part of where they used to fill up the trains with the coal and take it out to move all the heavy rocks, I guess, that they had out there. Um, but then after that, it was just sort of used as a local storage for coal for the town because that stuff gets black and everywhere. Mm -hmm. When we first took over the lease, we had two tons of coal dust removed. So that was a really, and coal doesn't fall straight. It falls and swirls and then oh. falls again and swirls. So yeah, it was a That must job. have been really hard because assuming you would have had to get every little speck of it out because it could damage the product that, couldn't it? Yeah, I, we had lots of um, industrial hoovers, lots of just brushing lots of washing and rewashing and washing. So luckily we did it over the summer, so it was able to dry kind of quickly. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's every now and then you just kind of look and you're like, is that coal dust? <laughs> but it, it does get everywhere. It's amazing. <laughs> and so tell me about these huge, big, beautiful, shiny vats then. Uh, yes, so we have uh, three 5,000 liter vats. And uh, in them right now, we do have honey, elderflower, the elderflower is fermenting and the rhubarb. So we're going to start bottling and kegging the rhubarb and the honey in the next couple of weeks and then hopefully the elderflower will be online so then we can keep kegging so it's exciting.
The smaller tanks are processing tank, which is like a big mixing bowl. So when we we're making the product, that's kind of the big mixing bowl that we put everything in before we pump it into the other vats. And how different is it to just making it at home? Is it literally just, well, the vessels are larger? Yeah. <laughs> and everything's heavier. Um, yeah, so, you know, for literally to do 5,000 liters, we need literally one ton of rhubarb. And then you need literally matching that in sugar and yeast and, and everything. So it, it's just the volume gets very big. Um, and then learning how to use a lot of the equipment, you know, pumps and everything, because you used to be able to use just your hands to stir mm -hmm. things. So everything's kind of become more um, industrial. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if you're making 50 liters, what's 5,000? <laughs> Nicely said. Fantastic. And what about the ingredients then? Are a lot of them local? Uh, we try our best to source as much as we can. Um, we, we, with the help of a farmer, we uh, planted a rhubarb crop up in Craigniche. But unfortunately, last winter was a bit warm, so we delayed putting it in. And unfortunately, it failed. We're going to try again. So we're working. People have been, been approaching us, asking if they can grow things for us. And, and so we've been working closely. And the idea is to get as much product as we can. But... Um, for instance, the honey we had to get from across because there's not enough honey on the island and it would be wrong for us to use all the Manx honey to make booze because it tastes so good. So, so from our point of view, we, we, we're trying as hard as we can to use as much as local product as we can. And clearly you're not from the Isle of Man. People will detect a bit of an accent there. Where are you originally from and how did you end up here? I know, I should say Foxdale. Um, <laughs> I'm from the U.S. originally. I grew up on the East Coast, but we moved here six years ago from Colorado which is where all the mountains are. So um, kind of swapped the mountains for the sea. But uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great being here. And there does seem to have been, I think, and especially coming up to food festival time, it's a perfect indication of it, but there does seem to have been a, a huge sort of um, movement towards local produce over here. Have you noticed that? And do you think, is this something that you would have had back home anyway? Is, are we kind of quite kind of slow to come to this? Or They, they are starting to make um, more mead. So mead in the U.S. has gone up by 700% simply because of Game of Thrones. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, otherwise, our whole idea is that British people are the largest consumers per capita of sparkling wine. So why not take a, a sparkling wine and make it even more Britishier by making it out of something that everyone here eats, rhubarb? So that was an elderflower. And it, it was just one of those things where it kind of, we're like, yeah, this should work. You know, um, we're just really quite happy um, with the way that the island's going in terms of food and drink in that direction. I think the government's been really helpful sort of pushing that and at least recognizing that this is an area that people want to come and spend money and visit and, and try local products. And I'm guessing when it comes to wine itself, um, we don't have the, the climate to actually grow grapes, do we? It's not ideal. So there's probably, I'm, I'm not going to say it's impossible. I, I dare say there's probably three or four fields that are lee side where the sun hits it just perfectly and but on a commercial scale you're asking to put up a lot of plastic tubing and and it just wouldn't be right it's not fair for the grapes and it's not fair for the product to have to have sort of a substandard crop because it would just be too difficult but rhubarb on the other hand <laughs> it loves it over here so uh yeah once we can get it to work but yeah no it's it's one of those we're trying to use what makes sense for the island um, and I have to admit, the last time I was here, uh, it was an evening and we were all quite merry, but it was wonderful. It was a, a, an event called a Sundowner event and you had DJs with decks in this big sort of warehouse surrounded by the vats where the wine presumably is. <laughs> the sun was setting and, and you seem to have branched out quite a bit into events and things. How has that happened? 
we've been working with different people, uh, Jamie Lewis of Lewis Lewis, and he was great at sort of saying, he came into this space and was like, holy cow, this is amazing. So from that point of view, he's sort of shown us that events is kind of what people want to have to come out, to have a reason to come out. So yeah, this weekend we have, on Friday, we have uh, a lobster boil. So we're using lo local lobster. And um, we put on a Mexican night that Ian cooked for. We've had our friend um, come and do a Thai night for us. We're talking with other um, restaurants and see, to see if they want to come and pop up down here. Because from our point of view, it's nice to have Douglas restaurants or p places from around the island come just so that's something local for people to come and check out. So yeah, it's exciting. And you're getting into the community as well, because I've seen you out and about at different events. I mean, like TT, you, were, you had a presence at TT. We were in the Bushies tent for TT, which was great. Um, that was such an amazing experience to be working with uh, Martin through that, and so historic as well. We also uh, presented Podium Fizz for the Southern 100. So that was really great fun to sort of see the racers at the end and watch them spray the product, and it all was like all bubbly and everywhere. So that was really good fun too. And so where do you see yourself or the brand Foraging Vintners in, say, maybe five years' time? What we'd like to do is um, we we're quickly recognizing that our bottled products, we're going to probably saturate the island man market pretty quickly. So we're looking to distribute um, to the UK and see how, it, how it's received there and then kind of go from there. I mean, so far we've opened the bar just thinking it was going to be like, you know, busy few nights a week. But that's turned out to be a little bit crazier. So if, if the bottle product takes off anything like the bar has, then we'll be busy still. <laughs> Is it difficult not to want to just taste it all the time? Yeah, well, yeah. We do do a lot of testing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great just to be able to work in this industry, something that you really like, and then on top of it, something you're making that you're kind of proud of. So it's good. Okay, let people know where they can find out more. Obviously, apart from coming down here to Foraging Vintners, where can they find out more about you? Uh, you can find us on our website, which is www.foragingvintners.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.